Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today, we are privileged to be speaking to Festival Artistic Director Brian Vaughn. Brian has played over 50 roles during his 22 years with the company, including title roles in Hamlet, Henry V, and Cyrano de Bergerac. He's also played Petruchio in Taming of the Shrew, Benedict in Much Ado About Nothing, Leontes in The Winter's Tale, Prince Hal and Hotspur in Henry IV Part One, The Baker in Into the Woods, Javert in Les Miserables, Harold Hill in The Music Man, Charlie in Stones in His Pockets, Richard Hannay in The 39 Steps, and will appear this fall as both Felix and Oscar in Neil Simon's The Odd Couple. As a director for the festival, Brian's credits include Greater Tuna in 2010, Dial M for Murder in 2011, the regional premiere of Peter and the Starcatcher, Henry IV Part One in 2014, Henry IV Part Two in 2015, and this year, Henry V. Brian, thank you for joining us on the Play On podcast. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks once more me. into the breach, as they say. Once more, <laughs> dear friends, once more. Uh, so uh, it's really exciting for me to sit here with you. We've sat here several times before and talked about Prince Hal coming becoming King Henry and the sort of this history cycle initiative of the Utah Shakespeare Festival. And for our listeners who may have been who haven't seen it before, can you give a little overview of what yours and David's vision for this history cycle initiative was? Uh, sure, absolutely. the The main vision was uh, presenting them in chronological order. Uh, essentially from uh, beginning with King John and ending with Henry VIII. Um, and interestingly, those two plays sort of sit outside of the other plays, which really revolve around, uh, you know, Richard II and then the Lancaster dynasty of the Henry, Henry V plays, and then that carrying into the Henry VI's uh, culminating in the War of the Roses. So there's sort of eight plays that are really central to the history cycle with King John and Henry VIII sort of sitting on the outside of that as the, the plays. But the main idea was just to give greater clarity to these plays that are sometimes often challenging for a modern audience, uh, and especially an American audience, yeah, without not being familiar with English history. And the names, the locations, and they're, you know, when a family name is also a name of a character, it doesn't make sense out of context, but seeing them like this, you can sort of put it all together and see right. relationships. And some of the plays are more challenging that way because they're really within a unit. You know, we experienced that last season with Henry IV Part Two, which is just that. It's the second half of that story revolving around Henry. Uh, and then Henry V, of course, picks up from that with his son then becoming the king. That playing on its own, it just doesn't have as much value, we thought. Um, as seeing it uh, in connection with the other plays because they're really a one gigantic arcing story over many years uh, with many many connective tissue and many connective characters actually that, mm -hmm. that fold through all of them. So what better opportunity to present them um, chronologically um, to see how they play out for our audience for a greater understanding and greater clarity of the work. To that clarity idea, you also made some choices not just in the way that you're presenting them within the season but how you cast. Larry Bull uh, played Bolingbroke in Richard II and has played King Henry IV through part one and part two. Uh, and he's back again this year in Henry V, even though King Henry's character normally isn't. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, that's definitely intentional uh, on my part. Um, first off, it's been a joy to work with Larry. He's a tremendous actor, and it's been fabulous to see his journey, his journey yeah. In these plays, um, as well as playing Bolingbroke and Richard II, and then King Henry, and we sort of picked up at the end. You know, the ending of Henry the Fourth Part Two 
obviously Henry dies, and we have this introduction of this new character in Henry V, which is the chorus, who's really the storyteller of this play. And I thought, you know, I also think there's a connective tissue with the the ghost of King Henry the Fourth as a prominent figure in Henry V's life, and this idea of fathers and sons, and the son carrying on the sin of the father, and how they overcome that burden, that, that having Larry's presence as the storyteller, mm-hmm. both as an uplifting sense of, let's see where my son has gone, as well as come with us on this journey, had um, double resonance for me. And um, it started really in Henry IV Part Two because Henry IV Part Two starts with this character, Rumor, mm-hmm. which is sort of an, a negative aspect of the chorus. It's somebody who's spreading you know, false information through the kingdom and just the idea of rumor itself. And how I could kind of bookend that with going into Henry V, which is the chorus, who is mm-hmm. really a positive storyteller and... Um, just the high, you know, the antithesis of that I thought was really interesting that Shakespeare put that character rumor in there. And I was like, how can we kind of make this a storytelling opportunity yeah. for a greater understanding? And I think seeing it in Henry V, for those actor or those patrons who have seen Larry play Henry and have seen him on his deathbed there with his son, now starting this next play, which is really about his son. Yeah. I think is um, really interesting. And, well, you know, and the plays are all really about fathers and sons, and especially the Henry IV plays with, you know, Hal sort of bouncing back and forth between worlds and both his real father and his surrogate father of John Falstaff and how he really embodies both aspects of those men into himself and how he then later takes on his own sense of future and having an offspring which we'll see in the next plays yeah. in Henry the Sixth, there's a connective tissue there. Well I think it will it it adds so much beyond just the clarity of the storytelling, which I'm appreciative of as and we as audience members we will be, but just there's something in terms of our modern sensibility in storytelling, there's something I feel like we gravitate to in the Western world in terms of tetralogies and trilogies and this whole idea of you know, Netflix has opened up a world of binge watching and long form storytelling is totally. sort of at its modern peak. And I think it's exciting on the thea- to see that same sort of approach in the theatrical sense that you've got, you're the, you're the connective tissue as a director, you've got actors carrying through, not just Larry, but Sam Ashdown, who we'll talk about in a minute, and that you're creating this interest in context. Yeah, I mean, Shakespeare was really the first writer who was writing serial drama, really, yeah. in many yeah. ways. and. Yes, we see that now in our culture, you know, Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. uh, The the Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, you know, all of these sort of epic films that rely on family and drama, and uh, Shakespeare did it first, you know, and here's an opportunity to do that same idea. You know, I, I like to think of it as like, you know, last week on yeah. you know Henry the Fourth Part Previ- One. Previously on Henry the Fourth. Yeah, well, we exactly. yeah, I mean, we 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 joke about it even here in the office about that that it's it feels like the next episode in a gr- in a really good way. Absolutely. Um, and I can't wait for the audiences to see it. Uh, you talk about you know we talk about the chronology of these plays, the history plays relating to when we say chronology we mean the order in which the kings reigned, but they weren't always written in any particular order. And there's something interesting I think about uh, this play 
in relation to several of other Shakespeare plays. Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, one thing about Henry V, you know, it, when you think about the chronology of when they were written, not necessarily the chronology of how they play out, but Henry V was number nine of the ten that he wrote. So he kind of got it right by this point. You know, he wrote the Henry VI plays early and Richard III, which are sort of the latter in the, in the chronology. But one of the things about this particular play was that, you know, in, this play was written in 1599 alongside Much Ado About Nothing, Julius Caesar, Hamlet, Twelfth Night, which all of those are regarded as some of Shakespeare's finest plays. And one of the things that I think and, and find absolutely engaging and thrilling is that they all revolve around these characters in a great deal of introspection and um, sort of the battle of the self within a, an epic sense of, of, of story. And um, that just tells you something was deeply profound was going on for Shakespeare to have written those plays yeah. in various genres, comedy, tragedy, and history, all within the same year, but all have a great impact and a great um, level of variety, you know, um, both comic as well as rich in poetry, as well as deep in tragedy, um, political social commentary that was happening at the same time. Um, it, it's, it's very telling, actually, about, first off, the year in itself, um, and all the stuff that might have been going on for the Shakespeare's company at that time while they were putting them together, especially for him as a writer, you know. Um, it's pretty great. And to know we're also presenting three of them yeah, three this of those season. You know, three of class of 1599. Yeah, exactly. Is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, great. Talk, uh, let's, let's talk about Sam. You cast him knowing, when you cast him a few years ago with a three-year contract, knowing that this would be his journey. You've directed him now in three plays. Um, we're going to talk to him later on in the season as far as the podcast series goes. But as a director, talk about what you've experienced watching him grow and learn and experience these roles as they've unfolded in three years. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I love about Shakespeare, period, is how all of the work really folds into the individual that's playing them. Um, I've experienced that myself as an actor and playing some of these roles, and I know when I have watched plays, you know, it's really about the actor embodying the character that makes us experience them different from time to time. And seeing Sam's journey from Hal now into Henry over the course of three seasons has just been such a treat as a director and, and also a friend of his now of seeing both his growth as an individual, his growth as an actor, and how Prince Hal sort of starts as this sort of, not immature, but a wild child yeah. who's trying to put it all together with great hopes and great aspirations. And then we see a great level of maturity over the course of these plays and especially in the Henry, Henry V, where he's trying to legitimize himself on the throne and the burden that he wears in trying to do that. Seeing Sam within that has been really, really um, both fascinating and rewarding because I've sensed great growth in him as an individual and great maturity of the work as well as the character. And that's exactly what's happening in the plays. You mm -hmm. know, he goes from prince to king and 
all the way in between is Hotspur and him killing Hotspur and then the death of his father and Falstaff dying and these characters that impacted his life and where he stands at the end of this play um, really is a culmination of all of those events. Uh, and uh, to see that sort of happening for the actor also <laughs> is really um, a beautiful blend of art and life happening together. Do you feel like that same kind of journey has happened for you as a director, taking, starting, you know, you've been in, you played Hal in Henry IV Part One. you played King Henry V, then approaching these shows as a director has that journey, has, have you, do you look at them differently now? I mean, uh, how, how, I guess, how do you look at them differently? I, I will say yes, without question. And um, I, I'm continually amazed and humbled by the work of William Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, I am. There's just so many layers and layers and layers of psychological depth that happens in these plays and connective tissue that you sometimes just don't get in working on them only once, you know, and now on the outside of it, they, they're even more astounding to me. And um, I was just having in a note session just an hour ago with, with Sam and um, Frank Hans, our associate director, about just the level of, um, the level of what Shakespeare was writing at this time, especially in Henry V, which is really about in many ways, this battle of conscience for the individual in a leadership position and justifying right and wrong and how to put that into play for their own sense of self. And I, I'm just continually enlightened by even watching moments last night that I'm like, man, I never thought about that, that, that there's a connective tissue with that in part one mm -hmm. here about his father and there's a moment at the end of the traitor scene where I was like, that's a bit, he, he ends this scene with this kind of cheerily to see the signs of war advance, no king of England, if not king of France, which could be his father saying that same thing. Um, that they're just amazing. <laughs> I mean, they're just, it's, uh, without question, I, I nerd out on it because I love it and I'm sure. so passionate about it. But then it hits me with an epic punch to the gut sometimes about the level of um, humanity and depth that someone was writing about, um, you know, in the 16th century, is, um, and that we're still doing them. Well, I think that's the perfect segue to, uh, to one of what I think will be what I want to end with today, and that is, you know, talk a little bit about why it means so much to you, and at the beginning you mentioned, you know, these sometimes these history plays can be difficult because. Uh, the geography is unfamiliar or the politics are unfamiliar, but there's clearly something there for you in terms of why they matter. Why do these history plays matter so much to, to our modern audiences? Or why should they matter? Well, I think the, I mean, there's two things I think at play here. It's both the political element of the play as well as the personal element of the play. And that in itself is completely relatable into a mo in a modern context about the individual within that role. Um, we see it in our leadership today all mm -hmm. over the world. And what Shakespeare has done is sort of dissect that into the individual and what that means for them to be within that position. One of the things that I love about Henry V especially is that Shakespeare's taken it up a notch and also put a layer of theater on top of it 
that it's about seeming and being and, and what that means to embody a role. And that's really what's going on with Henry in the play, about finding him playing all of these different roles to ultimately find a true authentic self by mm -hmm. the end of the play. And, you know, one of the things that Henry V, sometimes I think gets a bad rap because it can be seen as, um, uh, you know, too patriotic or it's also um, he's a Machiavellian character as a warmonger and so forth. I don't think the play is about that. I don't think it's I think it's about conflict. I don't think it's pro-war and I don't think it's anti-war. I think it has to do with the individual in great circumstances and how they come to grips with that within their own judgment of conscience and where that sits on them. And especially how Shakespeare was writing that about a medieval society that was shifting mm -hmm. and changing mm -hmm. from a divine right of kings and how that sits on someone who is not of that same order, how they justify themselves within the role. And um, that's also kind of what the actor does in being within the play, saying the lines, taking them on. There becomes this transvergence of like, life folding into the role and the same thing happens with Henry himself he himself becomes who he is authentically um, and doesn't have to all of a sudden play the role he becomes the role and um, that is again Shakespeare's brilliance of weaving these two forms together and that's another reason why I think we do we keep doing them Without, with, while still embracing all the rough edges that come with mm -hmm. it. And that's the other thing I think, there's no black and white with it. And that is ultimately human also. That we all have our negative sides that might not be um, the most beautiful aspects of us as human beings, but also there's ugliness and wrong decisions as well as great beauty and the right decisions that we make. Um, so this is the, the idea that the journey for the actor, for the character, He's the king here in Henry V, but his journey isn't over because he has the crown now and this is all the result. This, that journey's continuing and it will continue. And that bleeds out into the audience and the actor and everybody is experiencing this as a journey. Absolutely, and I mean, the, you know, one, the ending of the play, which I mean, for those of you that haven't seen it, I won't give it away. <laughs> but you know, the chorus says something at the end of the play about the future generation of this whole thing and basically Henry's offspring and the repercussions of that is that this cycle, you know, and as Flewellen says, fortune is a wheel that rolls and rolls and rolls, you know, um, and that the wheel will always come full circle, you know. Um, and that's, um, I think, just really poetic and, and, is. and amazing. Well, speaking of fortune, uh, the f our final thought then, uh, your opening, Henry V, in the new Engelstad Shakespeare Theater, a new wooden O for a play that speaks about life within this wooden O. How you, how you doing? How's that? <laughs> how you feeling? Yeah, it's um, it's a very meta moment. You know, I, I keep saying, Larry, who's playing the chorus, you know, I was like, you know, you're going to have many things going on in your head on opening night. But one of them is the magnitude of using Shakespeare's language to convey stepping into a theater for the first time and this really epic play being told in a new space that none of us have ever been in. And um, it's both the character 
as well as Larry the actor. Yeah. And uh, it's going to, you know, it resonates for me. The first time I knew we were opening the season with this play was, and that was intentional for us because it became about, you know, invoking the beautifulness of both live theater and art working together and a character who steps out and says, can this cockpit hold the vasty <laughs> fields of France or may we cram within this wooden O, the very casks of Agincourt, you know, it's, uh, it's just really, really thrilling. And I say it's meta because it operates on so many different <laughs> well, levels, you know. I had the thought the other night watching rehearsal for a little bit that there's an element of, of that speech becoming dedicatory Totally. Do you know what I mean? That it, it is just the first lines of the play and it sets up the action, but it takes on some special extra meaning this year as Larry slash the chorus slash King Henry the Fourth slash the voice of you as the director and artistic director yeah. dedicates the space. Well, and there's, you know, there's a lot of historical background that the chorus was played by William Shakespeare himself, actually. And so that very idea is the, <laughs> the writer uh -huh. saying to the audience, you know, I beg your patience yeah. and use your imagination to imagine this great battle happening in this wooden O is um, both an apology as well as a celebration of what we can do with our minds yeah. um, and that can only happen in the theater, yeah. only. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's beautiful, I think, for us, especially at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Um, knowing the history of the of the theater as well as you know the long journey, the vision of of creating the space and what that means, and um, yeah, and I think it will be kind of a hopefully you know I think it's gonna be a beautiful moment, but also one that's gonna last for people for I a think, long time. I think it will. Well, Brian, thank you for your time today. We're so grateful that your thoughts can deck these kings for the past few years and. Uh, to borrow a phrase, and uh, look forward to seeing what isn't a completion of the uh, history cycle, but feels like a little chapter switch as we move from part of one family and move, you know, anticipate moving forward with the Henry Sixes over the next several years. But uh, thank you for uh, taking us on these, this journey over the last few years. My pleasure, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage, bard.org. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2016 season.